0: everyone, and welcome back to the Rugged Identity Podcast. This is your host, Blake Blackwell, and today is episode two, but it's also episode one of a three-part series that we're starting over our core values, and today is going to be over core value number one, which is following Jesus, because we know following Jesus is the most important thing we do, and without that, then nothing else matters. But before we hop into that, I just want to give you guys a little bit of an update of the next two weeks. So the next podcast you would think is going to be over Laverne Neighbors That's core value number two, but that's actually going to be week three just due to some scheduling conflicts. And then next week we're going to be having my good friends Tanner Walford and Hayden Savage with us to talk about hard work as they're both two very hard workers they are men after God's own heart and they love to hunt. And so we're going to talk about some stories that we've been through some stuff together and talk about hunting trips and things like that. So you're definitely not going to want to miss that. And on this 4th of July weekend, also I want to mention, if you guys get bored, Tanner Wafford is, he runs Boggy Bottom Outdoors. So if you guys want to look at some great YouTube videos that'll keep you interested and help you get through this long weekend, just go ahead and check them out. And I think you guys will really enjoy that. But today's podcast is titled Dogs, Guns, and Graspers. I know that sounds a little bit weird. As I said, we're going to be talking about following Jesus, but here in a little bit we're going to get into that. And I promise it'll tie in together. It'll make a lot of sense. But like I'd mentioned in the previous podcast, you know how this is going to run since this technically is episode one of how these are going to run from here on out. We're going to start out talking about a little bit about hunting and then we're going to finish off with some scripture. And so a question that I've been getting asked a lot here lately, I think it'd be beneficial for you guys to hear about my setups that I'm running for the 2022 season, which is going to be my compound and my longbow setup. Now, I haven't been shooting a trad bow for very long. I've only been shooting it for a few months, but I've really enjoyed it. It kind of just slows things down, and when I'm just shooting, you know, at the range and just shooting like a standard three spot or something like that, you know, with my compound, I really like to stretch it out and shoot far, that's kind of my thing, but when I'm shooting close like that, I really have been enjoying shooting this longbow, and it's been a big learning curve for me, but I think I'm going to be able to hunt with it this year, I'm getting pretty comfortable with it, and so we're going to talk about what I've learned um, starting out doing that, what I would tell myself if I was to restart over again, and some things like that. But let's go ahead and talk about the compound setup that I'm running this year. And now a lot of guys you hear on podcast or social media, they're gonna be talking about how they're shooting, you know, the newest bows that are out there um, and promoting all the newest equipment, everything like that, which my bow is not super old, but I'm still shooting a bow that's a couple years old. It's an elite remedy. And the reason that I chose this is this bow is two years old and I would have got the new bow this year, but it just fits me a lot better and I can't justify buying a new bow. Um, I like Hoyt. Matthews are okay. You know, all the big names, they all make good bows now. So whatever you choose, I mean, they're all going to do the job just fine and just kind of a personal preference. But Elite, I've been shooting here the past couple of years. I shot a Cure a couple of years ago and I really liked it. I just like the way Elite shoots. They fit really good in my hand. I like the draw cycle on them and just the way they shoot just really fits me best compared to any other brand. But then when I seen um, the Remedy, when they came out with the Remedy, I decided to get it because I do have a 30 and a half inch draw and so that longer axle to axle bow really helps me out a lot because I'm not too worried about speeds. A lot of times the shorter axle to axle bows will produce a little bit better speed. But because I am shooting a little bit over 70 pounds and I do have a super long draw, I mean it's no matter what I shoot, it's really not going to be a big deal. I'm going to get us the maximum efficiency out of that bow anyway is what it's going to be able to produce. So I'm fine with shooting a longer axle to axle bow. And it's a lot more comfortable. It's a lot more stable to me. So just breaking down that setup, um, we'll go ahead and start off with the strings that I'm running on this bow. And this is a company that I found a couple years ago, and I'm not affiliated with anybody that I'm promoting right now. I'm just telling you what works best for me and what I feel like is the best stuff out there. That's a brand called A3. It's a local pro shop that um, I've been going to for the past few years called War Torn Archery. And they've actually, it's pretty sad, but they've closed their doors to their pro shop and they're one of the only pro shops I trusted to really work on my stuff if it wasn't me. But they still have online sales, so they still have some really good stuff. They make stabilizers, everything they make is handmade, and they also make a shot trainer called the Spitfire that's awesome. So, you guys may want to go check that out. But they carried a brand called A3, which is a little bit newer. Um, it's not as popular as your gas bowstrings or your America's Best, but I think they're really up and coming. And they have a bloodline fiber, which is a waxless bowstring. And so what that means is that, you know, when you get your frays on your bowstring, you got to put wax on them and you got to condition them and stuff like that. But with these, you actually don't. And they always look brand new. So anytime there's a little bit of a fray at all, you just run your fingers down the string and they look literally brand new, like it's crazy. And there's nothing better than a brand new set of bowstrings, the way they look on your bow, not fuzzed up or anything at all. And so I love having those. And then the other plus of those, they're honestly the most stable bowstring that I've shot. So I've shot, you know, you get a brand new set of bowstrings, and you go shoot them for a while. And then you get a lot of, um, your peep starts rotating quite a bit with these. I mean, I've, the first set that I had of them I had to adjust a little bit after about 100 shots but these the new set I have on here I mean I've shot hundreds of shots to them and they haven't stretched at all and I don't know what process they're running I'd have to do a little bit more research on that but whatever they're doing it's working really well and then the other big plus of those is that they are pretty weatherproof so if you like get some water on them and stuff like that I know bowstrings strings have a bunch of wax on them it's not going to affect a whole lot but if you're in the rain and you're like me I'm pretty picky about my stuff and I always get really worried but you just have that extra peace of mind that those strings aren't going to be messed up at all. And so on this bow, I am running a Spot Hog Fast Eddie XL. And if you're not familiar with that, the XL is the dovetail version, which makes it really nice because I've got a longer bow, um, and I don't have a super high-end bow case that I use. And so my sight, I like to run it pretty far out away from the bow. Um, it wouldn't really fit my bow case very well, along with my stabilizers, and we'll get that. We'll get to that here in just a minute. But it has those little divots on there, and you can actually just Unscrew the knob that comes on that and just take that sight off and then slide it back on and I've got a silver sharpie Because it's easy. You should be able to know which dot that you're on the little divot that that screws down into But if you're in a hurry like me, it's easy just to have that silver sharpie mark on there. And that's what I do Um, And then this fast steady is a double pin Now a single pin would do just fine for me And I do like multi pin sights But I've been shooting a single pin for a while and it just really helps clear out your sight picture makes it a lot easier to see what you're shooting at. And I really enjoy that a lot. And then the double pin for me, I've never used it. I've used it in practice, but in the field, I've never had to use it yet. But just in case you ever need to, you know, if a deer runs out at 20 yards and he ends up running back to 35, I mean, if your bow is pretty quick, you're going to be getting pretty close to that. And so it just helps having that peace of mind, having that second pin there, but it's not, it's a vertical pin. So it's not horizontal. So it's not taking up any more of your sight picture. And then the rest that I'm running on this bow is a Hamsky Hybrid Hunter. And this isn't the Pro. If I was to go do it all over again, I would buy the the Trinity or the Pro. And they actually have a new one that's just came out. I think it's called like an Appilson or something like that. It looks really good. But what I've got still works. I've had it for, I mean, heck, since one of the first bows that I had got when I got in high school. So it's been, I've been running this thing for a while and it's bulletproof. I switched over to that limb driven system instead of the cable. And it's just been a lot more consistent, especially in cold weather conditions. I mean, there's I've heard some stories of people running a QAD, not knocking QAD. They're a great brand. But their rest coming up and not wanting to come back down. And then obviously your arrow flight's going to be ridiculously off. And so I just really like that limb-driven system. And if anything happens in the mountains or when you're hunting or anything like that, they're super easy to tune. All you have to do is add a spring on there with a cord, and you just tighten that thing down and tie it off to your limb. And it's set. I mean, it doesn't require too much tuning on the on the drop of that, like it would be, you don't have to have a press or anything like that either. Um, And like I said, it's not the Pro Hunter, so it's not a micro tune, but I've also always been able to just barely tap mine over to get it to where it it tunes perfectly. So I've never seen the need to upgrade or do anything like that because mine works just fine. And then my stabilizer setup is going to be a little bit different. Most people are probably going to look at this and think, oh, that's kind of weird. And I actually just started running this. I bought these for TAC. I was running CBEs because you know they are an affiliate brand with elite and I just kind of like the way it all looked but I was running their hunter kit which is I think it's a 12 or an 11 with like a seven or eight inch rod on the back and that worked really well it was fine but I wanted something that was a little bit farther out from the front of the bow to get that weight out there and it really helped me hold better and so I went ahead and I purchased a 15 inch one of their target rods which look identical the only difference was that it didn't have a dampener in it and so what it is I switched that it's either a 12 or an 11 and I put that on the back and I took the dampener off just so they would match just because I I'm big in the aesthetics and stuff like that. I want all my stuff to look the same. And so I put a 15 inch on front and I shot a tack and honestly the bow felt great, but that was, I did not shoot very well. And Tanner and Hayden who are going to be on next episode, they were there with us. And they both shot lights out. They shot really well. And here I am an archery coach and I did not shoot very good at all. It was kind of embarrassing, honestly. The guy running around at tack with a 15-inch stabilizer didn't shoot very good. But the boat shoots great and I'm I'm still shooting it with it. I think it was just more of a nerves and I got it my head kind of thing. But I'm sure they'll tell you some stories about how bad I did next week's episode. But I'm running those. Um, I can't remember exactly. I don't have my boats with me on what the weights are. I know I'm running quite a bit of weight on the back. I think I'm running like four or five in the front. And I want to say almost 10 or 11 ounces in the back. Like it's quite a bit and I could be off, but I'll get back to y'all next week and kind of fill you in if I'm off on that. And then the peep I'm running, I started running a different peep. I always just ran your standard, your peep either like a G five or I think it's just like an Archer specialty or something like that. Just your normal generic three sixteenths peep. But then I switched to a Hamsky Raptor peep. And this has been a game changer for me. Especially in low light conditions, it's got some rings in it. Um, and I don't know how they do it, but they just light up really well in low light conditions. And then also, it's a little bit longer of a peep, the housing is. And so it looks more like your target peep, but if you're off a little bit, if it's rotated barely, you can really tell. And it's not, you can tell, and it helps you line up your sight with your peep a lot better. So I've enjoyed that a lot. And then down to my arrow setup, I'd previously ran the Eastern axis arrows and I enjoy those a lot those are probably still my favorite arrow um, because I haven't shot these black eagles enough but as you guys know if you shoot the Eastern axis arrows they've been out of stock for a long time and I didn't know when they were gonna come back and I needed some more arrows for tack. and so I went ahead and I found these black eagle rampages I stumbled across these and black eagles a great brand I've shot their arrows in the past and they're super they're super tough arrows with the Rampages, the 250 spine, their spines are a little bit different. So I'm shooting a 250 spine with them, and their arrows are both 10.7 grains per inch. And so it worked out perfect. I really didn't even have to adjust my sight tape at all. It's a little bit off just because the insert was different, just by a couple of grains. Um, but I just knew in my head where it needed to be, and that's how I shot. So I didn't change my sight tape at all there. And that arrow is going to be, I did go with the pros, and so they're a point they they're a thousandth straightness. And I think they're weighing in at about 525 grains with a 125 grain broadhead. And I'm running the broadheads for this year are going to be the 125 grain Annihilator XL heads. And we did have a chance to talk to them at TAC. They're some great guys and they make some great heads. I know a lot of people get turned off by them because their heads are so small, but they're awesome. I shot a deer with them last year and that thing didn't run but 20 yards and those were the originals. And so if you want something that flies really good at long distance, that really punches a hole. Now, I will say their blood trail is not the best. But what it does, it just fills up their body cavity with blood and it kills them really quickly. And so if you're into that, like quick death, that's not very far away, that's what I'm into. If you're somewhere that's not super thick wooded then and you don't need a huge blood trail, that's I would definitely check these out. And don't be scared by the size. And then the XL, that's what I'm running this year. And so they're a little bit bigger, actually. And I will say at longer distances, you can see some drop, but I even talked to him about this because I am a 30 and a half inch draw and I'm shooting a little over 70 pounds. My arrow's got enough momentum. It's really not dropping that much. But if you're under like 29 inches, I would definitely go with the originals if you plan on shooting past 70, 80 yards. And then my release this year, as I switch up releases quite a bit, I ran a thumb attack and that was not a good idea. That's probably one of the reasons. I don't want to blame it on my equipment that I didn't shoot that great. But I ran a thumb button and I hadn't ran a thumb button for years and for some reason in my head I just thought, hey I need, I need to start shooting a thumb again I think I can get my shots off quicker if I need to, which is in itself not a good idea. Um, so I started running a thumb and I just I didn't shoot that great with it and I went back to the hinge that I've had. Now the hinges that I've shot that I would recommend is a B3 Infinity. That's what I'm currently shooting and it's not the new one either, it's the older one and I just still shoot it so good I don't want to upgrade at all. And then I also shot the Ultra V, both the old and the new, and I love those releases. But for some reason, that older b 3 just feels better in my hand. It fits me better. I like how you can adjust the angle of the fingers on it. I really like to push mine far forward, which makes it a lot more sensitive because I like my release to be really, really hot. And that is the stainless version. It's It's treated me well for the past few years. And so that is the compound setup. Now we'll move into the stick bow side of things. So the stick bow that I'm shooting right now that I've started out with, I've been kind of spoiled because it's not just your regular old like sandwich or anything like that, which those are fine. If you're starting out, I would highly recommend getting one of those just to get your feet wet. But I went ahead and spent some money and I bought a used uh, big stick archery assassin, which they no longer make them, but they did a couple of years ago. And so it's still a fairly new bow and it's a 52 at 28 and it is 60 inches. And so what that means if you don't know is it's 60 inches from tip to tip and then it's 52 pounds at a 28 inch draw and then every inch of draw after that it gains a couple of pounds and so i'm right at about my draw is a little bit different it's about a 29 29 and a half inch draw almost 30 but it's a little bit shorter than what my compound set is, setup is and i really enjoyed that now i will say with that bow I probably will have to hunt with that at the beginning of season, but I do have a new bow that's in the works that I put a down deposit on a couple months ago. And so I'm thinking it's going to be done, and to me, probably by the beginning to the middle of October, which season starts October 1, so I'm definitely not going to be comfortable with it to hunt the first month of season, but I'm going to be getting some practice in with it and trying to get used to it and figure it out, see what arrows it likes the best, because, you know, I don't know where it's going to be cut, if it's going to be cut to center or a little bit off. I still need to figure those some of those things out, but I know he's going to walk me through the process. Um, It's actually going to be a sock trail and it's going to be their reflex, deflex longbow. Um, And the reason I went with a longbow, people ask me, you know, why'd you go with a longbow instead of a recurve? Recurve's a little bit quicker, a little bit more forgiving sometimes. But a longbow, if you're like me, I don't want to have to carry a stringer around sometimes. And some people would even say, you still need to string up this bow with a stringer, but there's no way of really messing them up. I can just stick my leg in there and what I do is I just put my leg in and pop it off and then I can just chunk it in the back of my truck and not have to worry about it. I'm not to worry about the limbs twisting or anything like that very much compared to what I would have to do with a uh, a recurve. And so I like the peace of mind to be able to just beat this thing up a little bit and it and it still shoots perfectly fine. Um, The strings that came on the bow were the factory strings that came from Big Stick and they were pretty beat up. So I found some strings online on Facebook actually. If you guys are into trad bows and stuff like that, I would highly recommend following this group. This group is called Traditional Bow Hunters. Pretty simple. But there's a guy on there named Lane Holcomb who makes custom strings, whatever colors you want, and numerous different materials. He made me some out of um, the Fast Flight material and they are amazing. Like, I'm being serious for just a guy that's just making them out his house and sending them out and just putting ads on Facebook. It's not a company. These things are legit. They are bad to the bone strings. Like, some of the best strings I've ever put my hands on. I haven't shot very many um, trad bows, but, like, from what I've seen and stuff, they are top-notch, and they're treating me good. Like, no stretch at all. So I would definitely check them out if you're looking for some, and I think they only ran me, like, $22, and they're super nice strings. Um, but on that trad bow let's get down to what I've got on it, which is not a whole lot (laughs) because there's no cider stabilizer on it, but I am running a clicker and that is because I am, you know, newer to it. And so my draw length varied really bad whenever I didn't have one on there. And that's one of the main reasons I have it on there. I know when I get set back to my anchor now, I could probably take it off and be fine. But in the heat of the moment, you know, when there's a buck in front of you or something, I want to know for sure that I'm where I need to be and my arrow is not going to be high or low depending on my draw length. And so my draw length is going to be the same every single time. And if you don't know what this does, it's actually a string that connects from the string of your bow. And then it connects onto the limb and it has a little clicker. Once it goes so far, it clicks once it gets to the same spot every single time. So once I get back to my draw, it makes a clicking noise indicating to me that I am at the right draw length and I don't need to draw any farther or let down any more. And so that's really beneficial for me. And then the quiver that I'm running is just your standard subway slide on, which is super nice. You know, they're made out of rawhide. They're pretty bulletproof and they don't have any straps or anything like that to come undone. So you can't really mess those up. And then the arrows, these are a little bit of an old school choice for me. I really enjoy them though. Um, I'm shooting the Easton Camo Hunters XX75 Aluminums. And the reason I went with this is that when I first bought this bow, I bought some carbons that were pretty lightweight. They were Easton traditionals. And this thing was humming, but it was pretty dang loud with those fast flight strings on there. And that's because that arrow was just so lightweight. And then my gap, I I really enjoyed how the gap was, but what I'm doing this year is I'm running a fixed crawl and we could talk a while about a fixed crawl and we'll have to talk about that on another episode. That's just my style of shooting. Um, With many other styles, that's just what I chose to do. And so I'm running a fixed crawl and I wanted something big and heavy where I could just set my 20 and then just kind of gap shoot from there. And so I wanted to find an arrow that was heavy, that was reasonably straight and also reasonably priced because, believe it or not, when I first got this thing, I was flinging arrows everywhere and I lost quite a few and I didn't want to break the bank on some super high end arrows. And so I figured out I would just try to buy some aluminums and so I bought some aluminums and the good thing about these is they're very heavy. They're weighing in at 13.8 grains per inch. The shafts, the sizes that they make for these, I mean you can literally get it dialed down to a T to exactly what you want so you can get i mean if you're like in between a 350 and a 300 you can find a spine in between there you can find anything that you want they're super straight and they're super affordable that was the biggest thing for me so i think let me look right here on 3 rivers is where i bought these from and for a dozen unfletched arrows they are 71.99 and you can hardly even get half a dozen of these carbon arrows for 71.99 and they're super straight you know the tolerances on them are great, and they shoot really well, and you can find any spine that you want. And then they also have, let's see here, they have fletched too on sale right now. If you're into that kind of thing and want to just go ahead and have them fletched, you don't want to take the time to fletch your own arrows. They're on sale for a hundred bucks for a dozen, and that's a killer deal. And so you might as well go and go check them out. They're really good arrows, and the coolest thing about these two is my bow has some camo limbs, and these are also camo printed arrows and so they just look really good (laughs) I'm always into the stuff that looks the best you know if you look good feel good you're gonna hunt good but one of the best things about a trad bow and many guys that shoot both will understand you know like my I just told you about my compound setup and all those long stabilizers weights all that stuff they get super heavy And if you're like me and you hunt somewhere that's really deep into the woods, it's really far back in there, and you're going to walk a couple miles, carrying a super light bow like a trad bow is really beneficial. You're not fatigued, you're not tired, and you're not worn out by the time you get back to your stand or wherever you're going to glass, and that makes a big difference. When that moment of truth comes and there's a deer that walks in front of you, you're not like super tired. You know, you can just pick it up, and you're not tired at all, and you're, you're feeling good. You always want your muscles to feel good and be relaxed and be ready when that time comes. But this brings me to my next point, which is a story about last year, me and Hayden who's going to be on next week's podcast. We'd been looking at a section of WMA land that I'd been wanting to hunt for a while because it's pretty convenient. It's pretty close to the house. And this was the doozy. This is a place that you had to walk a ways into. And how we actually found it is whenever we went down there, I had multiple points mapped out on Onex So we were going to go set some cameras. And we get to them, and it was really convenient. You know, the trails were super wide. They were mowed down pretty good, and they were really easy in-and-out access, which was a good thing to get in and out early in the morning or late at night, you know, to the pickup. And they were easy to find in the dark. But the only issue with this is that I could tell there was going to be a ton of people there. You know, I didn't want to fight the crowd. I didn't want to fight all the people. I just didn't want to fight all that stuff. I always enjoy finding the places that are way far away that I'm probably never going to see anybody at. And so I'd been looking at Onyx after we set up all those cameras and I found this spot that didn't look crazy good, but something about it was just drawing me to it. It didn't have any big creeks running through it. It didn't have any food plots that were planted by the, by the um, department or anything like that. And it didn't really have a trail. So we were going to try to figure out how to get there. And the first spot that we rolled up onto, the road was flooded. And so that didn't work out. And it's already looking like, man, I don't know how else we're going to get there besides this spot right here where it's flooded up so we try to get through can't get through and then I think we came back the next week to check my cameras again and my cameras were good they had deer movement on them I mean pretty consistently but it was nothing crazy but it looked promising like if I just needed a place to run to really quick it wouldn't be bad at all it's not like it's gonna be a waste of my time so they looked pretty promising but we still wanted to go and check out this other place out which it hadn't rained that week and so it made it pretty nice we were able to get through that road And then we got back to where we thought we could walk through, but it was going to be a hike. It was already going to probably be about two and a half, three miles from where we were. And we start walking through there, and the mud had gotten so deep this whole way, because we're almost walking through water the entire way. It was pretty deep, and your legs and calves are burning, and we're only like a couple hundred feet in, and the grass is up to our chest, and so there was just no way to carry a saddle or a tree stand all the way back there with my bow, with all my other equipment and just make it because it would have taken me hours to get back there. Not only would it have sucked for me to get back there. I mean, I would have scared everything out in the vicinity. And so we back out and then we notice another way that we think we can probably get in through and it's through a neighborhood. And so we go around to this neighborhood and it's kind of pretty sketchy looking. It's just one of them places, you know, that after hours, (laughs) after dark, you probably don't want to be there because there's probably some stuff going on that you don't want to be involved in. And so we drive up We're looking around, can't really find a good spot to get in, and we finally think we found a spot that we can probably get on on public and walk back there. And so we find it, and we go, and we drive past this last house that's sitting on the corner, and there's a dude standing in his front yard with a gun in his hand. And it's not like he's just walking his dog or taking something outside, you know, to just and has a carry on him. He's not carrying. He literally has this gun in his hand, and his chest is facing the vehicle the entire time as we drive by. He's turning his body and he's looking at us, which is really creepy. He obviously did not want us there. And so we kind of made the decision to get out of there and not come back that day. And so I kind of just marked that spot on Onyx. thinking, you know, one day if I ever feel like going back, I will. But it's it looks like the Lord's probably not wanting me to go back there with everything that's already happened. And so I just didn't really think much about it. And then a couple weeks later, I went back to check my cameras again. I was actually just going to pick him up. I kind of knew it was in the area before season was was there. And I didn't really want anyone coming in. Um, as season got closer, when the rush started happening, everyone started scouting right before season and actually get my camera stolen or anything like that. So I picked them up and I was like, "Hey, Dad," because he was with me at this point. I was like, "Let's go try to check this spot out." You know, I can't I couldn't have got back there, but if that guy's not out there with the gun today, and the road's not flooded. I think we can make it. So we get back there, and to my surprise, there's no guy out there. The road's good. And we find a way in, and it's separated. It's on the backside of this neighborhood with some wooden posts and just a string of wire. And so we start walking through there. Um, and obviously you can see in everyone's backyard. When we get to this corner post, at the end, we're going to have to take a hard left turn to get back to where we're going. And this dog just starts barking like crazy. And you know when a dog's barking just because someone's walking by or when a dog's barking because it's ticked? And I guess it was a pit bull that had just had in puppies you could you could tell for obvious reasons. And this dog started chasing after me, my dad full, full on. And we were pretty scared because we didn't see the leash that it was on. Thank the Lord it was on a leash, but it stopped inches away from my dad. And it was, it looked like he was about to eat his face off. And so that kind of freaked us out. And so every time we'd walked back there again, I had to actually walk the long way around through the woods. You know, I had to walk through water a little bit to get back there. It was ridiculous. But, uh, Once we get past that corner post, too, the crazy thing is that I don't know how, but stickers that are bigger than I've ever seen were back there, too. And they'd almost, I mean, they were always coming over my boots and they were getting into my shoes. And I literally had to stop like every two or three steps just to get these stickers out of my boots and out of my legs and stuff. It was ridiculous. So by the time we got back there, it took us well over a couple hours just to get back there to check this or to set this camera up. And so we finally get back there. It's been a couple hours. We're sweating really bad and it's just ridiculous there's pieces of stickers still stuck in us you know and we're thinking gosh we gotta walk back by them dogs again like what are we gonna do you know this is ridiculous but I was like hey you know what we're already here we might as well set this camera up so we set the camera up I leave I come back and check him again I had to do the whole scenario all over again you know the dogs chase me the dude was actually out there with the gun again and then the stickers were all over me and when I get back there to check this camera, it was like a highway had been going through there. Thousands and thousands of pictures. I mean, it just it blew my mind because it did not look that great. But the only reason I said it is because we're already back there. And so deer were just flooding in there. I mean, every hour I had a picture of another deer. And they, were, they weren't the same deer all the time. They were different deer. And that kind of brings me into what we're going to be talking about today, about following Jesus. Because that, that path wasn't the wide path. You know, everyone kept telling me, Hey, you don't need to go back there. You don't need to be going where those dogs are at the stickers, You I mean all that mess. Obviously, it's just probably not the right place that you need to be. But that's just kind of like what the world says, you know, there's always gonna be this wide, easy path that everyone else is following, which is not of the Lord, and there's also gonna be a straight and narrow path that leads to Jesus. Even though things may get hard, you know, there's gonna be things that come in the way. And there's going to be things thrown at us because what I've always said is when you're following Jesus, you know, you're a threat to the enemy. You're a threat to Satan because you're spreading his word. What we're called to do as believers is make disciples of all nations. And so anytime that we're not doing anything that's of the world, we're doing things that are not of this world because anything for Jesus is not of this world. If you haven't taken a look around you in the day and age that we're living in, it's it's getting worse and worse every day. But Satan's going to do everything he can to get in the way of that and that's kind of like that spot I was hunting you know it was the long way around it wasn't easy but there was such a great reward at the end of that I could have taken the easy path and it could have been okay it have been all right but I never would have found what was so much greater on the other side and if you're saying, Hey, I've I've encountered some things like what you're talking about, but it's not because I took the straight and narrow path. It's not because I think the enemy's trying to attack me. I think it's because I've been doing things on my own. Well, there's some clear steps you can take to really combat this. There's some steps that you might need to take in your life that are like surrendering your life to Christ. That's the only way you're going to be able to go down the straight and narrow path. As much as you want to go down the straight and narrow path that leads to so many greater things on the other side, you have to follow Jesus because you can't do it on your own. And so the way we can do this, and I'm just going to give you some steps on how you can say, hey, Jesus, I need you. And if that's you, all you have to do is you have to admit you're your sinner. And I'm not saying that, you're just an awful person because I've sinned too. You know, I've sinned I've sinned enough to have enough sins for everyone else in the entire world to be called a sinner. I just have, you know, I'm human. And from the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve were created, the first two human beings that were ever created in this world, sin entered the world very quickly because of the sin that they committed when they ate the apple. The one thing that they could not do, they did anyway. And if you're saying, I know all these things that I should not be doing, but I keep doing them. I keep doing them. I don't know why I keep doing them. I and mean, we even read in scripture when Paul says, you know, I don't know why I do what I do. Sin is just something that's of human nature, but we have to have forgiveness of this because we are sinners and we can't live this life on our own. As many times as we try to do things on our own, we can never fully figure it out. Because there's going to be a day when judgment comes. There's going to be a day when you die. And that could be tomorrow. That could be 100 years from now. That could be 10 years from now. I don't know. We never know when it's coming. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you that there's a truth. And that truth is that when we die, there's a place we're going to go. And we're either going to have a house with the Lord in heaven or we're going to be in hell. And it's the worst place that you could ever imagine. Just imagine the worst heartache, the worst pain you've ever been through in your life. And just magnify that by a million. It's just... And you can never die. You can never get away from it. It's just the inevitable. It's what's going to happen. But right now in this life, we are living in the world. And the world is not of the Lord. And there's going to be hard things happen in the world because we live in a sinful world. But there's a way to live a better life. You know, we can live as Christians. We can live for the Lord. We have something to live for, whether it's your job, whether it's your family that you're leading, whether it's being a dad, whether it's being a husband, whether it's just being a hunter. You have something to do all these things for. You're meant to live in a relationship with people, but you're meant to live in a relationship with Jesus because John chapter 3 verse 16 says, for God so loved the world, he sent his only forgotten son. He sent his only forgotten son. He, He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins the most gruesome death. Before you were even born, before he, before you even knew anything about yourself, before your parents even knew that you were going to happen, before your grandparents, great-grandparents, all the way down the line, anybody, he knew you and he loved you so much that he would take his life, he would die, he would let them brutally beat him and crucify him and kill him so that you could have a place in heaven when you die, and all you have to do, you don't have to work for it. Whoever said that you have to have works to get into heaven, yeah, we do work because we do work for the glory of God, but works is not what gets there. Faith is what gets there. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want a slave. He wants a relationship. He wants to love you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to dive deep into his word. He wants to hear your prayers and be there for you every step of the way, no matter if there's dogs, no matter if there's grass bears, no matter if there's guns in your way, Jesus is right there with you, even when the times get hard. And if you're saying, hey, I can't do this life. I can't keep doing it on my own. I keep trying and trying and trying for years, and I always end up in the same place of hurt. Always in the same place of, I don't know what I'm living for. What's going to happen to me when I go? How do I lead this family? What do I do? There's only one answer to all these questions. There's only one answer that will completely change you. And it'll change your identity, what we're all about, and that's Jesus. And so if that's you, all you have to say is, Jesus, I love you. I'm a sinner, and I need you as my Savior. I surrender my entire life to you. I want you to make this life yours and not mine. And I want everything to be done for the glory of you, God. I want you to take control of my life. I want you to step into my heart. I want you to be with me every step of the way. I know that I can't do it on my own, and I need you. And he'll say... Okay. I've been waiting for this day. I died for you specifically. And as hard as that is to say, and it's hard as it is for us to accept love. And as hard as it is for us to say, Hey, we're men that love to hunt and outdoors and we're rugged. You know, it's hard to say, Hey, surrender, like surrendering. You see those in all the warm movies that we watch and that's a sign of weakness. But no, this is the one time in life that you can surrender. That is a sign of strength because that's saying, Hey, I know I can't do it on my own, but I know as long as I have him, I can get through anything. And I'm the strongest man and the strongest version of myself. I'm the best at everything that I do because of and when I follow Jesus and when I have him in my life. That's when I'm the best version of myself that I can be and that's what having a rugged identity is all about. Since Saying that is a man after God's own heart because he invited me into his life and he has a relationship with me and he knows that when he relies on me, nothing is impossible. So we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm actually going to drop my email in the description of this. And if that's you that's made this decision and you just want someone to talk about and celebrate this with, feel free to reach out to me. I would love to celebrate with you and talk to you about that. Or even if you've heard this and you say, hey, I I still want some more answers to some questions about following Jesus. Then feel free to reach out to me about that. I would love to talk to you about that because like I said here, rugged identity, that is our number one core value. And without that, no hunting, no loving your neighbor, no anything else matters if we don't follow Jesus with everything that we have. So guys, don't forget next week is going to be a great podcast and not just great for rugged identity. Like I'm putting money on it. It's going to be the best podcast that's on Spotify or Apple podcast of the year, no matter how successful they are. Like we're, We're coming for you. We're going to be up there. We're going to be number one on the charts, which I highly doubt. (laughs) It's going to be a great podcast. So don't forget to um, go check out Tanner's YouTube channel, Boggy Bottom Outdoors. And uh, we're going to have him and Hayden Savage of Vocal and Wildlife Department with us next week. And we're going to laugh and cut up and have a great time. So you guys are definitely not going to miss it. But before we sign off, just remember, like we always say, stay rugged and know who your identity is in.